Today's episode is dedicated to the memory, to the life, to the career of Scott Hall. Our deepest sympathy go out to his family, his friends, and everybody that loved Scott Hall. Rest in peace, champ. Episode number one of Reffing It Up with Brian Habner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is the man, the myth, the legend, everybody's favorite referee, Mr. Brian Habner. Brian, what's up, man? How are you, man? I am great, man. I am great. Uh, just a tough week to start off yeah. our first podcast, but, um, you know, Razor, and that's what I've always called him, um, just such a great guy, man. Um, a pioneer and the way he did things and uh, tough week for me. Uh, good friend of my dad's as well. And uh, just really sad about it. But, you know, you just watch all these guys and I hear my brother's dying and it, it just, it, 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 I don't know. It just it, it, tough week, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. And uh, uh, we have to move forward. Yeah, it's been a tough week around, around, but it's good to see that he, he was loved by everybody. Obviously, everybody knows this, the history. We don't need to go into that now, obviously, but it's good that, you know, he went he went on his terms. And yeah. maybe not the way he wanted to, but, uh, you know, it, it goes to show you that the past, everybody leaves the past in the past and everything, make everything better going forward. So, um, obviously our thoughts and prayers were obviously, like we said, in that opening we were with the family and everybody that, uh, friends, family and fans as well. But as you said, the show must go on and we are starting off with a banger this week, Brian, we decided that, uh, we're gonna start with the stinger, man. You had a lot of interaction with him, uh, in your run there with TNA earlier on. And then even obviously going back, you had uh, you run into a lot of stuff with him, with your dad back in uh, JCP. I did. So uh, but before I start, I just want you all to know uh, or, and you as well. Um, so I, I have three kids and um, I had told them about my my podcast adventure. And I know this is off record, but it's uh, kind of funny in a way, but it makes me think. So I got up and um, and basically they. Heard about it. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Dad, you're going to sound so stupid. And I was like, why would I sound so stupid? I don't understand. And they're laughing. They're giggling. So now I'm consciously thinking about not sounding stupid. Um, so anyway, I just had to get that out so I don't sound stupid. So the question see, again. See, that's see, that's the magic of editing, Brian. I can make you sound I can make you sound whatever way you want. I can have you like deep <laughs> voice. You can be like. Uh, I need you, you, I don't need go. theirs. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's uh with your dad being first in JCP there in about he was about 87, 88 and before before he made it went over up north. Did you and or him? Obviously you had a lot of runs run-ins with Sting there yes, in JCP. I did. I had a lot. Um I was actually very intimidated by him as a young kid. Um 
Uh, but he was a uh, just a just a, a all figure. You know what I mean? The man was built like a million dollars. Um, carried the look, uh, but was just a very nice, nice man. Uh, I think the intimidation factor for me was just that he was just such a big star, and it was just like, wow, this is the stinger, you know, kind of thing. But um, the interaction wasn't as much because I was a kid, and probably he probably didn't give two shits about me at the time because you know it, it, it is what it is. So that that interaction there with the the, the Crockett Promotions was was not as big as it got later on in life, obviously. Yeah, so he's actually born Steve Borden on March 20th, 1959. So as this comes out, Brian, he's just celebrated this past Sunday, his 63rd birthday. And it's, amazing. it's unreal that you're seeing guys like Sting jumping off of balconies through tables and um, just doing a lot of this stuff and just kind of being, for actually, for better use of term, better, like reborn again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going to AEW, but... Uh, what better way to start than start at the beginning? Like I said, started over there in, J- in JCP, 14 year association with WCW before moving on. That's, that's unheard of nowadays where you don't see a lot outside of like staying the undertaker, a lot of these guys, Austin rock, what have you. You don't see that a lot. No, you don't. Do you, uh, do you think it was just basically a, a sign of the times where, you just stayed in that territory. You just stayed with that company for as long as you could, or do you think it was just his work, work ethic that he was just that good that they didn't want to get rid of him or move him to another territory? No, no, I think it, it, it's more about commitment and believing in what you do and who you work for. Um, they believed in him and he believed in them. Um, and sometimes nowadays that just isn't the case. Um, and you're right. It doesn't happen anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's very rare. I mean, it is. Um, I just think that he brought so much to the table for them and he, they brought a lot to the table for him too as well. So it was just a combination of both tables combining and making a big, huge dinner table. And it just lasted for a while, a long while. Yeah, because he just got to that point where just for me growing up, watching a lot of that era of I didn't see a lot of his the crow or the, excuse me, surfer sting stuff until later on after the fact. So I grew up with the crow sting there at like 96, 97. And that was right around the times with he was just he was a franchise player, pretty much yeah. used to use a football term. He was that he they would keep using the franchise tag on him every year or every time they re-upped him because yeah, a guy that holds 14, 15 championships total, I believe, and one promotion. It's just, and lot. it's just unreal. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, but it's just unreal that stuff seeing the stuff that he does now when he goes to have that rivalry he did with with Hogan there in 96, 97, with Savage, with DDP. A lot of these guys putting a lot of them over too. Yeah. Trying and you're seeing that now more too, where you're seeing where he's trying get that next generation now compared to same thing in the nineties there. Well, the, the, the thing with the, the thing with Sting that's most impressive, okay, um, in, in my opinion, is basically that he was never what you would call a Mac Matt technician. You know what I mean? He was never a superior wrestler. <clears throat> and I hope he doesn't get mad, but he was a justified wrestler. In other words, he got business done and he, he did it in a good way. People cared about him because the guy could sell his ass off. Okay. Um, he had the look, he had the, he had the, the stigma where people wanted to see the guy. Um, and, th- and that was enough back then. Um, and it really was. Um, he wasn't the best wrestler, but he was able to do and work with some of the best wrestlers, which actually helped elevate him to another level. Um, so it's just a, it, it's just that a guy of his level and got to the level he got at, he didn't do it because he was so great in the ring. He did it because he was such a great character. 
he was such a great guy character wise that could actually put over somebody else as a heel um, and could sell. He, he was very good at selling. Um, if you go back to like, the, the Ric Flair match that he had at Starcade, um, you know, anybody goes back and looks at that match. I mean, my God, I mean, he, he, he just sold his ass off and Flair did the same back for him. You know, it was, a, it was a give and go. Um, he was able to show over his power, um, his, you know, the beat in the chest, the comeback, you know, the, the, what we call now the hook up, you know, um, all those things mattered. Um, and he had all of that. So it, it, it was just a combination of a bunch of ingredients that made him what he was and what he became. And that, that was a great thing. And he yeah. was different. Like I say, as good as his work was with, with, with sting he had he had a lot of good he had good stuff with vader too back in the wcw there too he did yeah and just to think about it looking at it now it's like man just vader compared to you know those late 80s early 90s compared to what he would later do in yeah. wwf it's just like it was two totally different guys and it's just like you go back I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but just this his stuff with Sting, it's just like him being with the heel with having Harley with him. And then Sting just being, like I said, being that franchise player in WCW well, slash NWA. Yeah, yeah. Well the, well, the thing is too, you know, he was, Sting was very blessed to work with some of the best people in the business. Mm -hmm. And that helped as well. I mean, and, and, and that's nothing against him. He, when you get to that level, you're going to get what's best in front of you. I mean, to me, Vader could probably be one of the underestimated best big men in the game. Mm. Uh, and when you're able to work with someone like him, I mean, that, that's only going to do what? For both. Do you right. see what I mean? So yeah. uh, you're, you're, you're telling a great story because of the fact that, you know, Vader was awesome. He was a great guy to work with. Uh, Flair was awesome to work with. Ricky Morton. Um, you know, the road warriors. I mean, you know, you could go on and on and on about the people you work with. And, and my God, I mean, he, he, he basically took a ball and ran with it, you know, and that's, that, that's all on sting. That's sting. That's 100% sting. And that, that's my cahoots and my hats off to him because, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't drop the hat. He didn't step on the hat. He didn't stomp the hat. He put the thing on his head and he, he fucking went on, you know, and that's, that's what's awesome. Yeah. So and even, I want to bring this up too, is, he was part of the highest grossing pay-per-view event in WCW history in 97 at Starcade yeah. when he headlined it with Hogan. And you're thinking to yourself now, it's like, okay, how can two of these guys that, like you said, they're not, Sting wasn't that Matt, Matt based wrestler. He wasn't known for his wrestling. He was, he could go clearly. Oh yeah. Yeah. But when you headline, it's like, holy, everybody wanted 97. Everybody wanted to work with, with Hogan because you knew it would be the main event. You'd get a good, and you get a good payday out of it, obviously, because you work in a lot of these major pay-per-views or all the pay-per-views really. Right. Uh, and it's just, you go back and watch that. It's like, you see it. It's like, holy crap, WCW in 97, man. Wrestling in 97, I think you can even compare it to like now where it's so hot. That, you know, between, you know, WCW, WWF at that time compared to all the promotions now. Yeah. It's unreal. Yep, it really is. But you look at that feud there too. Do you, can, do you put his feud like with Hogan there, those couple matches that the couple of those programs that they had, can you put them up against, you know, a feud with like flair, like a feud with, with Vader or any of those guys? Or do you think it's kind of like different times, different kind of styles? I, I think it's all about timing in wrestling. I mean, it really is. It's all about timing. It's all about the period you're in. Um, you know, Hogan at that point in time, he, he couldn't be any bigger. Um, was probably, the, if not the biggest draw in the sport of wrestling. Um, Sting wasn't even that far behind him, if you're you know, being honest. So, I mean, you have two of these icons face-to-face never done before. And then all of a sudden, bam, we get to see it. Um, so comparing a feud or, or matching type thing up, it's really difficult to do because 
every era has its own little thing. And at that time, you know, WCW was hot as fire. I mean, you know, just, just hot. WWE was not anywhere. They don't, I'm not saying they weren't close, but I'm saying, but they were not, they were far behind as mm-hmm. far as that went at that point. Um, as far as rating goes, um, I just think it was, I just think that it was just that timing thing, that timing thing between the two guys, between the two icons, here's one, here's another, bam, now it's on. And everybody cared. Everybody invested time and wanted to see it. So, you know, that, that just, that, that's timing. That's, you know, that's what that is. So uh, one quick note too, and we'll get into this, my next, my next thing here too, is if it wasn't for, I just listened to this today, is if it wasn't for Scott Hall, there would be no crow sting. Because oh, if it was his idea that, he saw this whole, I forgot which show it was on. It's on one at Conrad's, but um, he's basically saying that, hey, you're growing your hair out. Why not just keep it that? Have you ever seen the movie Crow? And you know, I, I implore you guys to go listen to that. And it's a great story right. from there. Uh, but WCW gets bought out by WWE in 2001. Sting has his last, the last match there with Flair. Uh, yep. And then kind of fast forward a few years we're gonna go to he works uh world wrestling all-stars winning their heavyweight championship before joining tna in 03 there for 11 years won nwa championship on a couple occasions to tna championship dude dude was over like rover in tna inducted in the hall of fame in 2012 in tna and it goes to show you that it's he's won numerous, numerous championships, but everybody remember they don't remember the championships. They remember the dude. They remember the character. They right. remember the man. And he was the only wrestler to win the NWA, WCW, and TNA World Championships in his career. Speaks volumes. Exactly, and everybody and. And it's sad to, and I'm sure people are out there. Oh well, he should have won WWE. He should have been to WWE. I'm like, but you don't realize Sting didn't need that. He already had that career with the NWA, with WCW. Right. You know, and then he goes here to TNA, and we'll, we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit, a little bit more in depth. But you have, did you have a lot of interaction there? And once once you got there to TNA with Sting. I did. Um, you know, what's, what's, what's funny just to touch on what you said before I get into all that, but, uh, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, here's a guy who's done everything he can for one of the biggest companies in the world. Why would he, after it's bought, want to be under a different regime being told what he's being told, which is nothing probably good at that point in time, be maybe to handle as a second rate star, which he didn't deserve to be and didn't know if he was going to be that way. Why not? And I'm sure he had money. Um, so why not go on a growing promotion such as TNA at that time and be the same thing you were in WCW, if not bigger. Um, so his decision was not baffling to me. His decision for other people being, I can't believe, you know, why didn't he? Well, there's a lot of reasons. A, like you said, he didn't need it. B, he probably didn't want to be directed creatively the way they were going to do it or wanted to do it. And then C, why not go with an up-and-coming, growing company that was really good and really hot at the time and be that guy that they put the backpack on and you just carry it around, you know? And, and, and that may have been something he was looking forward to, too, was taking on a new, a new direction of carrying the ball. You know, and so that's not a bad thing, you know, and I never, ever questioned why he did what he did. I, I actually thought it was a smart thing to do because it hasn't done anything to him, but lifted him up higher. So in hindsight, did he make a mistake? I don't think so. Yeah, I, don't, I think he did pretty well for himself regardless. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to touch on what you asked, uh, yes, we became very close. Uh, me and Sting became very, very close. Um, when Once I got to TNA, we became to know each other very, very well. He was actually really good friends with my dad. Um, they're both old school. So they both love to play cards. Um, he's, he, he was just one of the, 
easiest guys to approach and talk to about anything. Me and him had conversations. I mean, it went from about God to wrestling to uh, high spots to no spots to it could be anything. And we had these conversations over and over again. Um, just such a great, great guy. I learned so much from him, um, just the way to handle myself as a person. Um, just a great guy, man. And yes, we became very, very close. It was awesome. And I'm glad I can sit here and say me and that guy got along really well. And we were very close. Yeah. You know, another guy that uh, you got along well, real well with was Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Howdy folks, Double J here. That's right. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett. The world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and the world's greatest wrestler, and as well, the world's greatest podcaster. That's right, my world podcast. But speaking of another great podcast, tune in here to ref it up with my pals, RJ and Brian Hebner. Oh, man, they break it down like none other. It's really a great podcast. Tune in every Wednesday morning when it drops. Check them out on social media. Folks, while you're there, subscribe to the podcast. And, man, this episode is a good one. I listen to it every week. Stay tuned, guys. Reffing it up with RJ and Brian. All right, Brian. So that first count there, we basically tried to summarize Sting's career in about 15, 16 minutes, what have you, memories that you had with him. This next, next segment from week to week is basically going to be a, a match that we're going to go back and find that you were either working uh, in the ring for you were with a company at that time. You have some sort of association with that sure. match. Just to kind of get your kind of peek behind the curtain, so to speak, that kind of lead up to that match that day, what have you. Uh, so we, uh, we decided that we were going to be going over the Victory Road match from 2011, that famous, famous match between Sting and Jeff Hardy at Victory Road 2011, like I mentioned. So th this, this match obviously was synonymous with the incident with Jeff Hardy. Yes. What, what was the lead up to this match before that you knew going as far as Jeff's condition? Did you know anything going into it or was it kind of like you didn't know anything until you got to the building that day? Well, so I'll, I'll break it down from the day that I got there to the, to the uh, impact zone in Orlando. Um, I'm in the production meetings and um, in essence, that's where we hear what matches and what things are going on. And that's when me and my dad would do the ref assignments. Um, so I was obviously booked in the sting Jeff match. Um, so I know nothing at this point. I just know what I have. Um, and I know because it's the latter portion of the day or the main event at that point, there's no hurry to try and get them together because they'll do that on their own. Um, but I noticed as the day kept going, I saw Jeff nowhere. Um, I couldn't find him. Um, I actually had a couple producers come to me and ask me, had I seen him? Had I talked to him? And I was just honest, like, you know, no, I had not. Sting, um, I had actually went in and played cards with him and he had asked me, had I seen him either? And I said, no, he said, well, that's funny. I haven't seen him either. He hasn't come to me. Um, and I don't know well, how long before show. And I basically said, we have about a three and a half, four hours. We have a dark match. So before the pay-per-view, so in essence, we have about four hours. He's like, well, that's fine. All right, cool. Let me know when you see him and you talk to him. I said, okay. Well, we're probably an hour before the show, um, maybe less. My time kind of clock kind of goes crazy when it's pay-per-views because, of, you know, that wasn't my only match. Um, I had three or four matches, I think. So anyway, um, we get to where Jeff has been seen. Jeff's in the building. I haven't seen him. Uh, Sting still his questioning his whereabouts. Uh, finally see Jeff, and I know something's not right. And I talked to him for a few minutes, 
and ask him what he had in his mind as far as the match and what he thought. Uh, and he was just very all over the place. And for me, it was kind of a little, I mean, I've been around, so, you know, nothing surprises me, but this was kind of surprising uh, because he was kind of everywhere. So I had gone back into Sting's office because Sting had his own dressing room, deservingly. Um, and I had said to him, you know, I saw Jeff. He, he did look great. I don't know his condition. I don't want to, you know, privy his condition because I don't know his condition. I don't know what's going on. He might have just woke up. Maybe, I don't know. He says, well, can you find that out for me? You know, because I mean, I'm kind of ready to put this thing together and start going over this. And I said, yeah, that's fine. So uh, long story short, I'm pulled in by producers and told that there could be some problems with Jeff as far as his, his health at that point in time, as far as his ability to go to work and get into a ring and do a main event match. Um, I talked to Jeff again and Jeff says he's going to be fine. He's fine. Everything's great. Um, I go get Sting because I, I now know his location. I know where he's at. Um, I go get Sting and say, I think we should go ahead and let's talk this out. And just a little side note is I always took a match like, or was assigned a match about three or four before the main event that gives me a lot of time to get the main event um, because the main events could be a lot, you know, more stressful and more detailed. So we do that and Jeff does appear to be a little bit better, but just not Jeff. Um, and that was the way that that night started. That was the way that night started. Um, they had come up with the way we were going to do things. And once again, it was just a, a foggy situation, but we just kind of believed and thought that he would kick out and everything was going to be fine. And he reassured everybody that everything was fine. And we kept going the way it was. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where it all started. So you can actually find this match. I found it on YouTube. So you guys can search it on YouTube. If you want to watch, uh, watch this match uh after this as well or if you might have even seen it before i don't know but you actually i saw that you actually put up the x right off the bat was that part of or did i miss see it i i might have didn't see it correctly as well no i could have oh you did okay was that part of kind of the the idea behind before you guys went out hey i'm gonna do this so people thinks it's something else or no, when the X is thrown up, okay, the X is thrown up because somebody is legitimately injured. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a sign mm-hmm. for somebody could be fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have a sign for that. Like, I, I there's no, you know, I mean, like there's no sign. So they were questioning me through my earpiece, you know, the condition. And me and Sting both knew right away because we were communicating in the ring when he first came down the ramp. I think he kicked the light or something um, at that. And I could be wrong. Um, I may need to go back and watch it myself. Actually, I'm not going to watch it myself. I don't, I don't want to watch it. Um, but I think he kicked the light on his way out. And then he was like staggering all through. Um, and me and Sting were talking and we knew the way we were starting the match and we figured, okay, if we start the match, the way we're starting, we're going to be okay. And we can go from there. So all of a sudden he gets in the ring and he's walking around and he wants to like pump his t-shirt to the crowd, like just pump his t-shirt, which is nothing we talked about. Like this was was supposed to be like where he just peels the stuff off, throws the t-shirts, hops in the ring, stare down, ding, ding, ding kind of thing with in-ring introductions. Well, you know, it didn't go that way. Um, but we were fine with it. Me and Sting weren't panicking. Um, we were just like, okay, we're going to go in another direction, and that's all cool. Um, so they were like, well, where is he at? Where is he at? I'm like, not here. Like, he's just not here. So I threw, threw the X up. Hmm. So 
because I didn't know else to say what I needed to say. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like an emergency type thing. Like, here's an X. You know, the X isn't good. Here it fucking is. All right. So we got an X now. So now everybody in the back knows something's not fucking right. So we get going and the bump in the T-shirt thing happens. And Sting says, I'm just going to jump him. And I said, okay. So he jumps him. He drops the T-shirt. We start going. He goes in and he goes into the rope for a break, which I break. And at that point, I said to myself, and I looked right at Sting and I said, we got to go home. He goes, no, not yet. Not yet. Let me see what he does on this next sequence. I've got to see what he's got. I said, okay, no worries. We go into the next sequence. He goes through the rope again. He gets in the corner and like just sits there. And then finally Sting says, okay, you're right. Let's fuck. He didn't say fucking. So let me, let me just clear that. I'm just over-dramatizing it because of the fact that it just, it's mind-blowing to me and it just kind of sucks. But he says, we got to go. You're right. You're right. Well, before we could do that, I guess in the back, they had pitched another idea. So Bischoff came out, which we knew nothing about, none of us. Um, so EB comes out and um, God bless him. He does the best he can to buy A, some time figure out where Jeff's at, uh, figure out where I'm at, figure out where Sting's at. Um, he did a hell of a job of trying to do something for something that wasn't really anything, to be honest. Um, so EB was amazing with that. I, it, it really was. It was just really good. Um, so I think he understood at that point in time that I guess we had to go home. And uh, that's what we did. And um, it, he tried to kick out. I think he kicked out. It didn't matter. I was counting three, no matter what. And he kind of looked at me like, you know, and his actual words, which I couldn't hear him because the place popped, which I don't know what they were popping for, but they did. I guess because Steve went over. Um, like, what the fuck? He was sitting in the rope and he was like, what the fuck? And I was like, you know what the fuck? You know what the fuck? And um I never talked to him that night once we were finished. I never talked to Sting except to say thank you um, in the back. He was very pissed. Mm-hmm. And um, just so everybody knows, me and Jeff are fine. Uh, we have talked, uh, like, not through social media. We talked on a phone, called each other. Um, he was very apologetic. He understood what the situation was. Uh, we're fine. And, you know, I have a lot of cahoot for him to do that because you know anybody can make excuses and just act like something didn't happen um he actually came into our locker room and apologized and this was months after to everybody um he's a good dude he's a good dude i mean he really is i love him and matt to death so this is not about beating him up this is nothing about that at all this is just telling the the, the truth about a story um and he just had a bad day, man. I mean, a bad day. And, um, you know, I don't know what would happen. I don't care what happened. I'm not into what happened. Mm-hmm. I just know that, you know, it made things uncomfortable for me, made things uncomfortable for Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he looks back, I'm sure, and I'm sure he will never look back again at that. It made it uncomfortable for him. And <clears throat> I guess in a good way, he's in a good place now. And maybe this is part of that growing process for him as far as being an individual. And I'm proud of him and I love him. And, you know, this is nothing to beat up Jeff. So it was a story that happened and it sucks that I was in the ring, honestly. Um, But that, that's, that, that's what happened. Yeah. So just a couple on a touch on a couple of things, obviously be watching it on, on pay-per-view watching it after the fact, you see, excuse me, a lot of talking, like when Sting's going up the ramp, obviously, obviously pissed yes fans are booing fans are cheering whatever what is he basically because you can kind of make it out a little bit but he's what is he saying on his way back saying this is this is what happened or this is something like that or i can't remember after watching that i i I don't i'm just being honest i don't i don't exactly uh, did you lose me there Mm. oh okay cool um 
I don't exactly know what he said, to be honest with you. I don't know what he said, but I think what he was insinuating was this is what happens when you allow, you know, someone to go out like that. Right. You know, right. okay. I, I, I'm assuming that I don't know for sure, but you know, that that's above my pay rate. Um, you know, I've been, I've been asked the question before, you know, did I think he should have went out? I don't know that. I don't know that. I, I wasn't, I wasn't a guy that was with him one-on-one and figured out where he was mentally, physically. I wasn't that guy. You know what I mean? I went and got what I needed to get as my job. Um, and I knew someone right. That's all I knew. Um, I knew he had gotten better. You know what I mean? I knew that. Um, so I, I don't know that. And I'm not going to, that, that's, that's not me to decide whether that was a, bad good call I, I, that's not up to me i mean obviously i guess we could say it's bad now at this point that we know what ultimately happened but it wasn't something i knew that i could answer yes he should have or could have uh, not have done it oh yeah i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. so you mentioned obviously stings pissed off uh, for obvious reasons you're pissed off for obvious reasons and you go back through the curtain what's going on you walk through the curtain is like all shits hit the fan and like through the curtain or is this just basically take it as it, it take it as it may i i'll be honest with you i don't know what happened back there i walked right mm. through and i fucked this shit i went back and i got my, my shit changed yeah. um and i went and got a beer um I don't, I, I don't know yeah i wasn't there i wasn't privy to be there either because you right. know what, what can i say and what can i do it right. is what it is it was what it was and i just simply just walked through the grill position and literally just said nothing. I put my headpiece down. A couple guys said they were sorry. Um, and I walked to my, 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 my dressing room where I dress and, uh, I got changed and, uh, me and my dad left. Okay. All right. So we, we got a few, uh, segue in here into some listener questions, Brian. Uh, we got a big list, got a big list. We got to thank all of them for submitting your questions, uh, over, over on the Twitter gimmick there at uh, reffing it up on Twitter. So uh, appreciate you doing that. So kicking it off with my good, our good buddy, money, Mike, you can find him on Twitter at Mike, uh, Michael McClanahan. Uh, he asks, were you ever surprised by the reaction sting received in the ring when you were working uh, one of his matches? Uh, and are there any sting pops that stand out in your mind? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, he, there's, that's a good, good, yeah, he gets a sting pop. The only thing you get, um, when he puts his hands up and does the woo, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's something to behold. Um, and I'll just tell you from my experience and I know there's many bigger than this. So I'm, you know, but we're in San Antonio. I thought that roof was going to just blow off. Um, what a amazing response to a guy who never, never walked down the aisle at this point, just got up on the ramp, just walked through the curtain, looked around, got the huge pop and then did the woo. And that place went as Pat Patterson said, that place went banana. <laughs> and rightfully so. I always wanted to know too, maybe one of these times that, uh, I ever run into Sting. Like, did you ever get that woof? Was that a, like a Ric Flair paying homage to him, or was it kind of your own thing or something? Because it's like everybody, when you say woo, everybody thinks Ric Flair. <laughs> well, true, but I mean, yeah. but he has a thing woo. Yeah. You know, it's and not a thing woo. It's yeah. a thing woo. Yeah. All right. So thanks to Money Mike for that. Our next question comes from Kennedy J at Kennedy J six one nine on Twitter. He has two questions for us or for you, Brian. He asked. What was your reaction uh, to Sting becoming, you know, becoming a little bit more religious after the fact uh, later on in his career when he found, um, I guess, I guess we could say born again. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Well, we, we, me and him talked a lot about this. Um, and uh, I'll say this, God bless him. He is a good man. Um, just like all of us as humans, we all make mistakes through life. Um, I think it came to a point where he just decided he wanted to change his life for the better and be a better man and be a Christian. Um, so my opinion is this good on him, good on him. And it has affected the way he's, he, it hasn't affected anything about him because he's just a great guy. He's just a great guy who, um, I respect immensely. 
right. So his second question is which Stig match or storyline sticks out uh, to you most? Um, I would have to say the crow. I would have to say the crow. Um, I would say that changed the direction of his character, changed everything about him. He just did an overall rehash of his career. Um, and I thought it was amazing. I thought he did an amazing job. And I also really loved, and if nobody's seen it, go back and watch the Joker mm-hmm. that he did in TNA. Yeah. Oh um, my God. That was fantastic. He was amazing. Amazing yeah. at that. And I so enjoyed it. I popped. Uh, I, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was absolutely amazing and I could not believe, I'll be honest, I've seen Sting pull things off. I just could not believe he pulled that off as well as he did. It was just yeah. super freaking amazing. I'm trying to remember, and I think when um, either is Eric or Kurt or Jeff talked about that recently, about that character that was just un, unreal. We kind of just reinvented, reinventing himself. Oh, he did. And using a character from, from, from that film. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, all right. So thanks to Kennedy for that. Our next group of questions comes from <coughs> Anthony Pirates. Uh, he asks, how much involvement did Sting want from his referees in the setup of his uh, run there in TNA as far as the matches? Obviously, we talked about the one with Jeff, but sure. any other matches that you've worked with him? Um, he was very involved. Um, he depended on the referee a lot. And um, I became basically because of where he's at on the card and all that kind of thing. I became his main guy. Um, um, my, you know, obviously my dad was that guy for a little while while I wasn't there. Um, but my dad handed over the reins and, and God bless him for that and had, you know, enough, you know, confidence in me to be able to do that. And, um, I became Sting's guy and, um, he, 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 he really needed me and wanted me a lot. And it was a good thing. It was a, it was a humbling feeling to have for a guy so iconic like Sting that depends on wants you to be in there with him. So his, his uses of referees were very big, very big. So was he like very detailed as far as setting something up or was he just kind of like, Hey, just kind of get out of, get out of my way kind of thing. Let me do my own thing or. Oh no, no, no. He, he was detailed. Um, he was detailed and knew what he wanted to get the vision um, out of a match and who it was with. Um, no, he was not just a we're just winging out there kind of guy. No, not at all. Excuse me. All right. So our next question comes from Josh Rosenbaum at Real Coach Rosie on Twitter. He asks, "What pre-match interactions did you have with Sting on the on a day of a, like a really big fight, like a Slam anniversary or one of those big time pay per views there in TNA?" Um, we well, we had interaction um, obviously all day, uh, but basically the the the, the nut is what I call it. The nut of the source was um, closer to match time. So in other words, we're probably started the show. Um, And that's why I allowed myself uh, probably about, like I said, three to four segments before, you know, to allow me that time before the main event. And it wasn't because they didn't have it together. It was because it was just because it allowed me to sit down and have say an hour that we've been talking through all day and just really get it down and focused and really know exactly what I'm doing, what we're doing and um, do it to perfection is the, is the way I like to do it. Right. Well, that makes sense. All right. So our next question um, comes from Brad Stanton. Uh, He asked, I was hoping somebody was going to ask this, Brian, because I want to know it as well. Um, yeah. I want to get your thought. He, Brad wants to get your thoughts on the main event mafia. Oh, wow. Um, I thought it was the coolest thing in wrestling, man. I did. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Um, the way they all played off each other, too. I mean, it was, you know, and everybody has these smart ass comments. They want to say it was just a knockoff from the NWO or it was a knockoff. From y- you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't. They, they had a different persona. And they did it so, so very well. Um, so to answer the question quickly, they're not going to great, great detail. I absolutely loved it. Thought it was fucking awesome. Um, and thought that it was a fucking draw. Yeah. Um, and I think each and every one of those guys loved it as well. And you could tell because that's why it worked out so well. It was so good. Um, so 
that is a double thumbs up. I fucking loved it. Do you think you could bring it back today? No, 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 it's wouldn't be the same. Yeah. All right. So next group comes from Lewis, from Lewis from the Alliance Pro Wrestling Podcast Network at Shooting Up North on Twitter. He has, how would you compare today's independent, or excuse me, not independent, impact wrestling to the Dixie Carter era? Um, I will say this, much more organized. Um, I think that storylines are more consistent i think that our show is easy easier to watch and follow um and i think that we have younger talent and i think all that mixed in a bowl makes a huge difference um scott demore is doing a hell of a job um you know helping run that place and um our our agents are strong as ever um our talent is strong as ever um I think I just think it's 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 very different. Apple yeah. orange. Yeah, I I definitely see that too because I grew up there with the 2003 2004 TNA there too, and it's like it different worlds, man. Different worlds. It is. Uh, uh, so next group comes from David Hogan at David Hogan thirty one on Twitter. Yes, how did Sting feel about his Bound for Glory 2008 title match against Samoa Joe, if you have any recollection of that? Um, I do have recollection of it. I, I don't know how he felt. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I don't know. Does he think he should have felt a certain way, you think? What's that? What, 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 what happened there? You have to remind me. Uh, it's just Sting ended up beating Samoa Joe for that, and it was just kind of thoughts about okay maybe Samoa Joe should have won or uh, just uh, as far as the backstage vibe to that uh, no, certain uh, any, match yeah anytime Sting wins the back's gonna be happy I mean you know you can't you know yeah Joe was hot don't get me wrong but to me you know once again we're kind of going back to that Dixie regime and could it go another way or should have gone another way maybe but mm -hmm. I don't know how he felt I don't, I don't know how he felt um, all right, so we got two more questions left. Second last one comes from Joe Flo in the ring. Uh, he asks, what, or excuse me, would you love to know if there was ever any arguments during a match that wasn't scripted with Sting or without? Never. No. Never. No, 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 no arguments with Sting. Sting's not going to argue with you. Um, I would say Victor Rowe was probably the furthest or clearest thing that would be to what he's maybe asking. Uh, but other than that, to my knowledge, no, he's, he's not that kind of guy. Sting's an A-class guy and uh, you're not going to see many arguments. Now, whether he argues with the, 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 the producers or the writer or whatever, I have no clue. But other than that, in the ring with me, as many years as I worked with him, never an argument, never a fight, never a pushback for anything. Sure. That makes, it makes sense though. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Last question comes from Devin Dowling. Uh, he asked, what was the first Sting match that you refed? Oh, wow. Um, I don't think I know. Uh, shit. Um, would, it would, would have been in TNA, though, right? Or would it would definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'd have to go back and research that. That's a great question. I'm sorry I can't answer it. Shit, I'm sorry. I suck. My kids <laughs> hope that. <laughs> Well, kids, kids are supposed to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, right though. But uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really know. I, I, man, you're making me think, and this is not good. Um, I, I'm almost thinking it was a tag match for some reason, but I don't know. I don't want to give you wrong information. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I really would. Sure, sure. Yeah. No problem. We'll, we'll get on that. We'll, I'll, I'll DM you, Devin. We'll, I'll get you the information. <laughs> All right, Devin. So, that, <laughs> so that's our group of questions for this week. Uh, next week, Brian, it's that uh, WrestleMania week. So what other way to go out or go into this next episode with The Undertaker, man? You had a lot of run with, running with him in WWE when you were there. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And man, oh man, there's going to be a lot to a uh, lot to talk about about the Undertaker. Just 
like we said this week about sting it's like okay we got to get into it we could talk hours for it but you know hopefully we'll uh do them justice i'm gonna just say this um i've got some stories with undertaker that i don't think you'll ever want to miss um i can't wait for this episode um wow it's gonna be good uh gonna be really good um and i just can't believe we get to we get to do it and talk about it. So I'm 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 really excited and everybody's gonna be surprised with some of these stories. And I'm just being honest. Uh, wow, man, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm getting goosebumps already, Brian. I'm I'm man. and and, yeah, and it's not ju- and it's not just because it's cold here in uh, Western New York either. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, what uh, what do you got coming up? Ways uh, people can follow you on Twitter, Instagram, what have you, the whole shebang. Uh, so if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at baby Hebner. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at baby Hebner. So not too hard to figure out if you want to do one or the other or just both. Um, and then we have a couple shows coming up in April on the 23rd and 24th, I believe in Poughkeepsie, New York pay-per-view and TV tapings after, if you want to come and see the best wrestling in the world, I think you're uh, not going to. I think you're not going to do yourself injustice. That's for sure. Um, other than that, man, I don't have any other social media. I'm good to go. And I'm just want to say to you, everybody, if you're listening, thank you so, 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 so very much. Um, I really appreciate you listening. And I really want to make this an entertaining thing for you guys. And um, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. And RJ, thank you so much. Cause you're the man and I appreciate it. Hey, I try. Hey, I, I'm just sitting back. I'm liking these stories myself. This is stuff I want to hear too, man. <laughs> well, I get it. But you're the leader, man. Gotta have you. But yeah, no, definitely looking to uh, looking forward to Poughkeepsie. My son and I are making that for for yeah, I think it's about four and a half hour trek out to Poughkeepsie to Poughkeepsie to uh, like you said, see the best wrestling in uh, in the world in Impact Wrestling. Oh, awesome! I can't wait to see you, man. Can't wait to oh, see yeah. your son. Yeah. So you can follow the show at Reffin' It Up on Instagram and Twitter if you want to interact with us. Uh, absolutely love it. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, and what you don't want to hear. If you want to submit questions, make sure you follow Twitter because that's where the main hub of all the information is going to come out of. So if you want to submit questions, DM us, DM me right there at Reffin' It Up. That's absolutely fantastic. And make sure you tune in next week and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So you don't miss this Undertaker episode next week. Because I'm already subscribed. I'm listening to the show before you guys do. So I want to hear it twice. So anyways, go over, subscribe, follow all that good stuff. And we'll see you right back here on Reffing It Up next week.